broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got my man DeMond Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Broadcast. Also former Raider offensive lineman, of course, multiple-time pro bowler. And Lincoln, we always love to talk to you following a, a, a victory, and that was not to be had on Monday night. The Raiders lose 30-29. to 29. What stood out to you the most about the, the Raiders not being able to close that game out on Monday? You know, I... First of all, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. I, I will say this. I'm, I'm not surprised by the outcome because, you know, what has plagued the Raiders so far this early part of the season is the level of inconsistency. You've seen highs, you've seen lows, but you've seen a competitiveness that means that they're, they can, they can challenge anyone. Um, and, and we know how competitive the AFC is. It, it just comes down to the fact where you have to, you, you, even if you start strong, you have to finish strong. You, you cannot let up. No, you're right. And the Raiders let up, and a lot of the, that had to do with the Chiefs, but a lot of that had to do with the Raiders' inconsistencies as well. And so if you're a, a player in that locker room, how are you feeling about your team moving forward knowing you're on a bye week this week? Well, you know, you hate to enter a bye week on a loss. And it, it's, it's losses sit with you. They kind of fester with you if you're not careful. But you've got to have a short memory. You, you know that you went to Kansas City, which is a hostile place. You know that you challenged a really good team. Uh, you took them down to the brink, and you were close. But there are, there are no moral victories. So right. you, it's back to the drawing board. Everyone in that locker room has got to be accountable for their actions, their own personal actions, first and foremost. And then they've got to try to figure out how to be a better teammate. This also goes to the coaching staff. You've got to try to self-evaluate when you have this time. Not only are you preparing for the Texans in the second half of the season, but you're also looking at yourselves and say, well, what can I do better? What can I do differently? Or how can I get more out of myself or more out of my guys if I'm a coach? Um, and, and, and if you're a player, you know, how can I get more out of myself? How can I get more to my teammates uh, when it all counts? Because there were, you know, there were plenty of mistakes to be made across the board on every phase of that, uh, of that game last night and, and by every phase of the team. So everyone has a chance to get better. How do you, as a coach and even a player as well, stop from looking at the schedule and saying, okay, here's a chunk of games that we could win? It's the easier part of the schedule and just focus on one game at a time. You've got to be a professional. That, that's what happens with a professional. You can't look down the schedule. The thing is, is that, it, and, and the way that I remember doing it was um, when you get the schedule, the first thing we looked at is when we're playing at Kansas City, when we're playing at Denver. Because we had to know what, what our winner games are. No more times than not, the league was going to stick us outside. The Raiders missed a beautiful opportunity with a beautiful night in, in Kansas City and didn't have, have to worry about weather. But when it comes down to the rest of the schedule, if you're the Raiders right now, coaches, players, you can't overlook anybody. Right. You, know, you, you couldn't even beat the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, right. you couldn't beat the Tennessee. So you can't look overlook anybody. Right now you have got your own set of problems. If you want to revive this season and, and save this season, you've got to win your next I mean, you got to win. Right. It just comes down to it. You know, we're, we're not even putting a number out there that you got to win. you got to win. you got to win starting with the next game, and that's their only opportunity. That's the only thing they can do, only thing they can control. 
Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I did want to ask you about the Chris Jones penalty, and, and this is what I meant by it. Not, not necessarily the penalty if you thought it was a good whatever. I, you know, We could talk about the call all day long. But I want to know what the environment was like before the penalty and what the environment was like after, and how much juice do you think that play gave the Chiefs? You know, being affiliated with this organization, playing with this organization, I have seen many calls go against us. Many nasty just calls like, oh, that's bull. Um, I was surprised when it happened. And then the thing was is that I didn't, at the time, I didn't have a, a, an explanation being up in the booth, didn't have privy to the, the, to the TV copy where they have refs sitting on, you know, standby to explain what they think of what happened or their interpretation of the rule. So I was a little confused on how it came out as roughing the passer. Then when I saw his explanation about, you know, using his body weight, he thought he threw his body weight on it, I'm like, I've, I've never liked that rule for so many reasons because it's a matter of interpretation. And when you're sacking a quarterback, it depends obviously on the quarterback you're talking about because I've, st- I've stood next to Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton, some of the bigger quarterbacks I've ever stood next to. I've also stood next to Steve Young and other guys that aren't as big. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, when you're getting a sack, and you have your momentum. If you whip him around and slam him down, I've seen that called. I've seen that called on on, on, on Max Crosby yeah. as rough in the past. You know, I, I I remember when they first came out with the rule, and I remember watching Clay Matthews as he he tried to lay the quarterback down softly as he was sacking him. I, you know, these are the things that if the quarterback is scrambles out or moves out and throws the football, he looks like a hero. You look like a dunce because you had a sack, but you couldn't bring him down. So I I, I never liked the interpretation of that rule. Um, and I didn't think it was uh, a rough in the passer call. Obviously, you were thankful for the Raiders that it, it did go your way because mm-hmm. their car came came down. It, uh, the ball was t- taken away from them. And you saw in the clear replay that if it wasn't for the penalty, it would have been Chiefs' ball. Lincoln, when it comes to the penalties that the Raiders did face in that game, I know that that call went in their favor, but there are a lot that didn't. If you were on the sideline during that game, what's the discussion like between players of, hey, they're just giving them a lot of make-good calls? What's that discussion like amongst you guys on the sidelines of, we can't let the officials beat us? Well, I mean, it's just that conversation right there, DeMond. But at the same point, you know, when you, you talk about those make-up calls, um, you know, most, most, motiv- most notably people were talking about the call against Malcolm Coons uh, in that, that field goal. Look, I, I've seen it. I remember when it was called. You know, it was called before on, on Raiders. I've seen it happen before. It's not like it's never been done before. But you know, chances are when you have a call like that and you're at a hostile stadium, you're probably going to have what we call makeup calls. You just got to be more mindful. You know, you you, you can't. The Raiders got sloppy in a, in a lot of places. And I knew what you know. For example, when they were trying to do with Cleveland Farrell on uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, they took him out and. Technically, in this defense, Farrell, Crosby, Chandler, those guys are all considered outside linebackers. So they try to put an outside linebacker on Travis Kelsey to harass him at the line of scrimmage to throw off his timing. And it just so happened that Cleveland got his hands a little high and went to illegal hands to the face. Well, the defensive penalties are very costly. You've got to be more mindful of that as a defensive player because the defensive penalties usually come, they might not have a lot of yardage behind them except for pass interference, but they're automatic first downs. And those were things that kept drives alive in that game for Kansas City. Also miscues. I mean, for example, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a mishap where Jonathan Abram was trying to uh, tackle McGinnon, the running back, on that long run play when they had him backed up second down seven. He's trying to strip the ball. you got to make the tackle. 
Yep. Held the ball, make the tackle. That man ran for 20 yards on second and 17. I mean, that should not happen when he's hit at or met shortly after the line of scrimmage. But those are things like the instances like that that shoot the Raiders in the foot and have done so all this season. When it comes to miscues, what did you see from Travis Kelsey that allowed him to be so open in the end zone like so many times, four times to be to be exact? <laughs> well, well, the thing is, Q and, and DeMond, the, the way they use Travis Kelsey, they're going to either rub routes, pick routes. They're going to do all they can to confuse. And he's, he's athletic, he, he, and he's, he's good at what he does. He knows how to get open. So the scenario has always been the Raiders do not, do not have a – a way of slowing him down. That's been one of their biggest nemesis. And even when you take him away, other people are making plays. So, you know, you, you talk about there's a little bit of miscommunication. There was one time that Merrick had him man on man. He thought he was going to get rubbed and thought he was going to get bumped. He went out and actually you know, went to another receiver, and Travis Kelsey was wide open. And that's when uh, Harmon was trying to make the play in the back of the end zone on him. But those are miscommunications that happen all the time. The thing is, is when you get in the red zone, and I said this on the broadcast last night, I would be mindful everywhere number 87 is. Mm -hmm. And I would do my absolute darndest to try to bracket, double cover him, whatever you can, because you've got to try to take him away and force someone else to beat you. And if you do not do that or you can't harass me, you don't have a scenario for that, you better put it in your your defense because, you know, you face this team another time. And he, you know, he had a Monday night record and a personal record last night. You want to have him do that again. No, you absolutely do not. Uh, again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, what did you think of the the Roderick Teamer penalty at the end of the first half that gave the Chiefs an extra 15 yards on top of their 17-yard reception that they had? Oh, remind me. What was that penalty? It was a face mask penalty right at the end, uh, and it allowed the Chiefs to set up for a field goal. That one, yeah, that, that, that's right. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I, I saw the TV copy, and it looked very close. But it, it, it almost, I, you know, I can't necessarily complain about it because he did get a piece of his face mask, so you're going to see it all the time. Right. Well, it, it, that was one of those. I thought that was a, a big momentum shift, giving the Chiefs that, that extra opportunity to get three points at the end of the half and then get the ball back. It would have been make-up calls. But, again, yeah, but here's, right. here's the thing. You, I mean, it could have been, been one of those make-up calls. But if you're going to play that soft defense and you're going to see how they're going to attack – you damn sure better come up and make better tackles. And this is what I'm talking about overall accountability. You know what I mean, guys? It's like mm-hmm. if you're a defensive player, you, you know you have to do everything right because you're watched under a microscope now. Even, even if you think that call, you know, wasn't the, the, the rough in the pass or wasn't a call or you got a gimme, and you're hearing the way the crowd is reacting, you've got to be better than that. You've got to be mindful of that. As an offensive lineman, I have to be mindful of my hands. You know, when it came, they come down to times like that when you're thinking about that. Because you don't want to be the one that gives that gives a hiccup, a mess up, that, that could give momentum the other way. What did you think of the connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams multiple times for touchdowns? Well, I mean, I thought it was smart football overall. You know, here's the thing. I, basic football to me is if you have two safeties, you try to run the ball. And because you don't have – and the Raiders don't have a good block of tight end without Foster Moreau in the field. If you're going to use Mumford, then you run between the tackles. And they did that. They punished them. If you have a single high safety, the, the Chiefs are trying to take the run away. You have a single high safety, and you got one-on-one coverage on the outside. You want to try to, you know, torch, use your, your star receiver. But they fell off a little bit because Darren Waller, come, one, couldn't finish the game. And Hunter Renfro doesn't really have the speed, you know, that like, you know, Matt Collins or, or uh, uh, Devontae Adams has. So, in short, I thought it was smart football. And I, I actually thought it was a way to send a message for the rest of the league. 
look, Derek Carr is a capable quarterback. Adams is a capable receiver. And if you don't either keep a safety over the top of him, they can torch you. But that opens up other opportunities that you have to exploit. Right now, going forward, the Raiders have got to get their personnel healthy because everyone knows that if Munford comes in and checks his an offensive lineman, he's not going to run off for a pass. Right. So you commit to the run. You see what I'm saying? You commit yeah. an extra body to the run. You don't have to worry about coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the, the combinations that they play until Hunter gets uh, t- till Hunter gets totally healthy. You know, if Devontae plays the X, Hunter's not likely to play the Z. They're probably going to go with somebody else. Uh, and, and, you know, that has not really made a statement. I mean, Hollins has had some good games in there. But, you know, overall, he's not – I don't think he's viewed as a big threat. No. Plus, Hollins is a special teams commodity. You really don't want to use lose him. So you don't want to take the risk on getting him hurt uh, over, or overusing him to where he's not effective in his main job. So there's a lot of things that you have to go forward with strategy um, and the telltale sign. But it is a good sign to me, guys, and I love it, the fact that they can run between the tackles. Even if you bring in a fullback, you show a power formation. You know, you force you force the defense like Spagnoli and then Kansas City. Um, they, they force to bring in a third linebacker. That forces another guy in coverage. But without having that threat at tight end, that linebacker is not going to cover anybody. He's just going to be a run uh, run stopper, and that becomes almost a seven or eight man box. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got one for you. I want to read a quote for you. I've seen a lot of football. I played a lot of football. I still don't understand the logic. Now that you've had a night to sleep on it, what do you think about the Raiders' decision to go for two with Josh Jacobs? To I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Doesn't make sense to me. And the reason why is this: you know, you kick you kick the extra point, you tie up the football game. It becomes to me, it becomes zero zero. Yep. Okay. I understand if it was a minute left or whatever, you got the momentum on your side, you go for two. That's a no brainer. I was always taught, I'm old-fashioned, you only go for two when you have to, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it's less likely, even if you have a good play thought up or you think that you're, you're going to be able to get them, it's less likely percentage, it's hard to get it, okay? So you only go for two when you have to. I'm not saying that, you know, we are no rate of football. I mean, extra points haven't always been easy for us as well. But <laughs> right. that being said, you know, I would say, you know, you kick the extra point. But my, my point is, at the time when it happened, there was still time on the clock. And in the second half, the defense had had problems slowing down their offense. So why give them the advantage to have a little bit of a point displacement when you fall so hard to get back in right? and back into the game? Um, it's not like you're going to stop them. And, and, of course, I know their kicker missed two field goals, but in, in the final kick that he missed, you know, Kuhn's got the holding call, which gave him an automatic first down. I understand that. You, don't, you can't predict that as part of the game. So I would say play the percentages. Kick the extra point. I didn't agree with the call at the, at the beginning, but that's one of the reasons why I'm not the coach. Right. No, me either. You know, I, I didn't agree. I'm kind of old school like you are with that. But, again, like you said, we're not the coach. So uh, the last couple plays that the Raiders ran, third and one and fourth and one, I thought that that would have been a good position for Josh Jacobs to run the ball, pick up the first down, and then try to continue to go. They threw it twice, and obviously you saw Hunter Renfro run into the Devontae Adams on that final, that fourth down play. What did you think about that sequence? Well, I mean, first of all, we're, we're talking about professional football. There should be no reason why your two receivers run into each other. True. True. Absolutely no reason. I mean, this is not we're, – we're not talking about Keystone Cops. So we're not talking about, you know, a, you know a, a, a Pop Warner football team. We're talking about professional football. And on the last play of the game, you guys run into each other. Absolutely. I don't, I don't mind the play call because both receivers were behind the defense. Mm-hmm. Called them totally off guard. Kansas City was expecting to run. Um, just like on the Devontae Adams, they were expecting Devontae to sit in the, surf, the hole 
when the corner pressed up and he, as he was smart, went to the next level, just didn't give have enough room to get his feet inbound. But, you know, still made a, a pretty good catch in, in the circumstances. But it's really disappointing when you see professionals make elementary errors. Right. And that's exactly what I saw in the final play of the game when they ran into each other. Yeah, no, was who it was. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. You know, it's just it's something. It's the second time I've seen that happen this season, where the spacing's yeah. been terrible. You saw it in Tennessee with Waller and yeah. Adams in the back of the end zone. Now you're seeing it uh, with uh, Adams and Renfro running into each other. And you know, really, Lincoln, and we'll close on this. As far as just. This team, I hate to, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but this team grasping what they're supposed to be doing, it just seems like, you know, there's there's a, a disconnect somewhere, you know, and it's just not quite 100% all on the same page yet. It's game speed experience, Q. It's game speed experience. There's a different, you can practice, you and I can go out in the, in the, in the parking lot and practice every day for hours at a time. Practice the same thing over and over and over again. It's different when you have game speed. Right. I mean, it really is. And, and I, I feel strongly that, you know, I go back to the preseason. Thing. I think everyone needs preseason. There's timing. There's timing that you don't get in practice. There's timing that you can't get shoulders, short to shoulder pads. That when it comes, the lights come on, there's, it's a different timing. And you, you talked about the Tennessee game in the back of the end zone. Why were the two receivers in the same spot? Who right. ran the wrong route? You talk about last night. I mean, these are game changers. Yeah. These are these are instances during the game where the Raiders have not been as productive as they wanted to be in the red zone, scoring touchdowns. And then the time when they get in the end zone, you see you see elementary errors. What's up with that? And why are we having this happen over and over again? So, and, and then of course the coach is like, "Oh, we need to practice this more." Okay, you practice more, but you still got to implement it in the game. And unfortunately, you don't get a lot of do-overs in games. Yeah, Lincoln, something that Coach McDaniels that he mentioned today in his press conference is the team learning how to win. And I feel like that's something that I know this was a playoff team last year, but it's that's not going to carry over winning all of the close games that the team won last year. So he, Coach McDaniels can say the team needs to learn how to win, but when does that happen? Because we're a quarter of, of a way through the season already. When does that happen when a team just magically learns how to win and gets, gets rid of those mistakes? Because it's hard for me to hear after a quarter of the season, hey, we still need to learn how to win. Well, we, I've been talking about it all season with you guys. It's like this team doesn't know how to win together until they got their first win against the Broncos, and you see how inept and bad they are uh, when right. you look at a collection of the games. So it's not something you really tip your hat up, but it's taking care of business. You know, look at it this guy. Look at it this way, guys. The Raiders have been in, in just about every game, right? I mean, yep. they, they, they've been there. They've been right where they need to be. They've shown flashes. On, on all three phases of being dominant and being that team that they were trying to be offensively uh, last night or that beat offensively on the other side of the field, they're close. It, it comes down to it's the small things. And, and it's th- this is something that I, I talked about earlier in this interview. It resonates through everybody, every coach, every player. I mean, Roger Teamer, you know, now that, now that I mentioned about that, that uh, face mask, they only had 10 guys on the field. Wow. That shouldn't I, happen. Right, at all, I at remember all. Now, I, recall, I recall while we were doing the broadcast, I was right next to the coach's booth, and I heard them call him out, call him out. And then I, I heard them during halftime talk about there was only 10 guys on the field. See, that shouldn't happen. Right. But these are things that are plaguing the Raiders, these little small mistakes that become costly in the bigger scheme of things. These are things that everyone needs to work on and everyone needs to find a way to get right. 
Man, that's that's a great nugget right there, uh, Lincoln. Thanks for dropping that one on us. I didn't even realize they only had 10 men on the field. You know, it kind of takes me back to Houston when they had that game when uh, Hugh Jackson was the coach, and uh, that was yeah. right after the passing of Al, which happened to actually be the 11th year on Saturday, right? That was 11 years <laughs> since Al's passed away on Saturday, so it all kind of ties together. I said I was closing out. Let me close out on this. With, with 11 years going by since Al Davis has passed, just what did Mr. Davis mean to you? Oh, oh, that's a loaded question. I uh, to simplify it. I mean, I know we're probably short on time, but it, he he met the world. He really did because you know what Al gave me is he gave me an opportunity to prove myself when people just counted me out. Being coming drafted to Atlanta was number nine overall pick. I did not like to run and shoot. I did not like Jim Jones. I did not like being in Atlanta, and my play showed it. And I wanted to get out of there. And as a restricted free agent. I went in and demanded a trade. When I heard the Raiders were interested, I remember what Al Davis told me when I was playing college ball and I saw him after an All-Star game. He told me that his words, and I'll quote, he's like, we're not going to be able to draft you. You're going to be gone by the time we have our pick. But I promise you one day you're going to be a Raider. And, you know, for a kid in college, you know, seeing this great figure, just ominous figure, standing there and say that to you, my jaw just dropped. I'm like, Dude, that's just so cool. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, and so when it when when it when it happened, and the first day I actually came to the Raiders is right before minicamp in '96, and he he said he I was running on the field for practice, and he said, "Hello, Lincoln. I told you one day you'll be a Raider." He just it it just stuck with me, wow. and from that moment on, I gave everything that I possibly could to the silver and black because that man gave me a chance, and I never looked back since. No, and you give everything you got to the organization to this day, and uh, we definitely appreciate you. Thanks for sharing that story, man. That was fantastic. Great way to drop the mic right now uh, on this uh, on this Tuesday as we think about the loss on Monday, but a great way to close things out. We definitely appreciate you. Thanks for your time, Lincoln. We'll talk to you uh, a couple days from now. Absolutely. See you guys Thursday. Be well. All right, you too, Lincoln. Great stuff right there. What a great way to close things out with Lincoln, talking about the loss and then uh, sharing that memory right there of the, uh, the late, great Al Davis, who, uh, yeah, man, just 11 years on Saturday. You know, when I was leaving the facility, I realized it was 11 years since Al had passed. I remember where I was that, that Saturday when uh, everyone got the news. I woke up. I was in Texas. I got the news. I woke up that Al had passed, and it was almost like I had lost my puppy dog, right? And we all know that I'm not a pet guy, but uh, it's almost like it's like little homie had ran away from me, right? It just it, it was – I'm telling you, man, I sat up, and, and the wife didn't really know exactly what that meant to me at the time, but, man, I remember sitting on the couch in Central Texas all day on NFL Network just watching everything about Al Davis, just every kind of memory, all these players. Michael Irvin, to this day, and I need to interview Michael Irvin because nobody uh, remembers or has found or heard this interview, but Michael Irvin said that Al Davis was going to come grab him. Michael Irvin thought that Jerry Jones was going to cut him because he had got injured. He had broke his leg or something like that. He had hurt his leg, and, and Al went and told Michael Irvin, I'm coming to get you. Jerry's going to let you go, and I'm going to get you. And Jerry found out that Michael Irvin, uh, that Al was interested in Michael Irvin, and that's why he kept him around with the Cowboys. And, well, you saw what ended up happening, winning the three Super Bowl champions, being a part of the triplets. But uh, there were so many players that came out of the woodworks and was like, yeah, me and Al were tight, or Al did this, or Al did that. It was so meaningful. I mean, it really was, and so I just remember that day. And so leaving the facility on Saturday uh, before the Raiders left to Kansas City, I just took a picture of the internal flame, and I tweeted it out, and I was like, 11 years ago today, right? And it's just, it was so fitting, and for me, it's come full circle. For me being a, a, a massive fan of the team to all of a sudden leaving the facility, you know, just talking to players in the locker room, 
uh, 11 years later after Al Davis had passed. I mean, it was just it was similar to what uh, you know how, how how Lincoln felt like. Man, you just kind of felt like you 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 want to give your all to the organization. It's not like I ever met Al. He didn't know I, I didn't owe him anything or anything like that. But it's just you know how iconic he was and what he meant to the Raiders organization. And I remember doing the shows last year, Demond, on the 10 year uh, of his passing, and how we had so many different guests call in and talk about what he meant and everything. And you know, I don't I don't want to forget about that just because it's 11 years and it's not one of those you know five, ten, fifteen, you know whatever type years. Uh, man, it's something that I think we need to think about and recognize each and every year. So uh, appreciate Lincoln for that. I thought that that was awesome. A uh, great way to close things out with a little a little tip of the cap to uh, to Al Davis. Don't look now, Demon. But the Astros just won. <laughs> the Astros were getting their butts kicked, and they just won. They just had a walk off home run by Alvarez in the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, and he it was a no doubter. And really, it happened. I saw it happen while we were talking to Lincoln, but I couldn't I couldn't shift uh, attention. But the Astros just came back and won that game after getting killed all game long. They won, and they're up 1-0 in the ALDS. 426 at the time. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little high school football. The Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award goes to Coach Darwin Peterson at Democracy Prep. Uh, Democracy. I don't know why I can never say that word. I had so many problems saying it, but Democracy Prep High School. He'll join us to talk all things uh, his team's win and also winning the award. It's coming up next here on Red Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And now we are joined by the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. That's Coach Darwin Peterson from Democracy Prep. And Coach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. Congratulations on the award. But more importantly for you and your program, congratulations on the win over Meadows High, who was previously undefeated. That's got to be pretty cool for you and the team. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a big win for us. It was a big win, confidence booster for our players, big win for our coaches and the school, and definitely a big win for the West Side community. Well, your team got down early, 7-0, then rattled off 18 straight points and won 18-7. What kind of changed for you guys? What, what helped you uh, be able to turn things around quickly and, and, and secure that victory? Well, all week we talked about that, even if we give up a big play to stay strong. So we knew that they weren't going to just come in and give up, but we knew that we had a good game plan. So it was mostly confidence in our players to keep them playing for four quarters. You know, one of the things that Meadows head coach said was that your team was more physical and played harder in all aspects. How much pride do you and your team take in being that more physical team and always giving that max effort? Well, well, we always say being at a disadvantage because we practice at a park when we don't have our own field that that we're going to use that to our advantage. So we were going to be physical. We we're only going to uh, play hard for four quarters. And we knew that they hadn't faced an opponent that played them hard for four quarters yet. So we tried to to harp on that point right there. Talking again with Coach Darwin Peterson from Democracy Prep here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on Necessary Roughness. And how is that? How does that, you know, how, how do you guys attack that practicing in a park, as you mentioned, not having, having your own field? And like you said, you use it to your advantage, but it can't be easy on your team that, you know, you guys are trying to put together something here. 
Oh, definitely not easy, but we I look at it as circumstances. I'm always saying football skills is life skills. So it's not about where you're from. It's not about where you practice. It's about where you're going. So we try not to, we don't even look at that field as like, it, like it's hurting us. We look at it that that's our home field that happens to be our circumstances. Now, what are we going to do about it? So we don't even look at that as a downer for us. You know, when you talk about circumstances, and I say this all the time when it comes to high school, football coaches you're more than just a coach it's more than just wins and losses x's and o's a lot of times you're a father figure you're a best friend you're a mentor and a lot of those circumstances that you talk about come into play in your everyday relationship with your players what is it like for you just to be a high school football coach what does that mean to you well that means a lot i mean that's what it's all about i always tell them it's not about football it's about life and football is just a means to life skills so i'm from los angeles california and where i coach at Arbonne High School was from a neighborhood just like this. So when I transferred here five years ago, it's like I was planted here. So I wanted to bring a sense of hope that there is a way. There is a way out. This is just an avenue. And if you can get over these football skills, you'll be able to handle life skills. How much do you see the communicate uh, community uh, reciprocating that, you know, and just kind of really supporting uh, not only your program, but just the individuals in the community? Well, like I said, being from L.A., I'm just I'm learning about the historic West Side mm-hmm. and the community has come out in droves. I mean, the coaches, I'm they're telling me what they're hearing that's from Las Vegas and they're like, the West Side uh, is starting to get vibrant behind us. And that was the plan when I came here with my AD. It was like, okay, let's use football, not for just the school, not for just the players, but let's use it to revive the whole West Side. That's a great thing, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of work being done on the West Side. We see a lot of people coming back and donating uh, time and money uh, to the West Side to continue to to de- develop it. And again, you know, just like your school, Democracy Prep, uh, you know, that football program, doing what you guys are doing, that also helps kind of put some uh, lifeblood into into the West Side. And right now you look up and you're in a three-way tie for first in your league. That's got to feel pretty special as well. Oh, that, has, that feels real special. But like yesterday in practice, I told the team, all that does now is put eyes on us. That yeah. makes every team that's going to come after us now, they're going to come with their A game, including Lincoln this week. So our job as coaches is to not let our players take that victory and get happy like that's the season because that was not the goal from the jump street so we have to be prepared for Lincoln. Coach Darwin Peterson is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness so uh, as far as being the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week award I mean Tom Flores Hall of Fame uh, coach you know he's been there done that fantastic coach what does that mean for you and your program for you to be the recipient of that award? I mean wow just Raiders organization just uh, they have tapped into Democracy Prep over in the west side they donated us helmets like two weeks ago they've always been uh, a big supportive of the west side and what we're doing over here so just to win the las vegas raiders tom flores award it's just like the icing on the cake uh i want to congratulate and thank my staff of course because without them i wouldn't have won this award and of course the players for buying in to what we are trying to sell up here how important is that for your players and and even the community to see the raiders being as active in the community and, and active in the west side like they are 
I mean, that is huge. I hear it from the parents like they've never had like, support on the West side. So for the Raiders to come in and from K through 12, they're putting the programs on. They're at our practice field. They came to our practice field to donate helmets. I mean, we have like a personal relationship. I think they've kind of adopted us as their little brothers on the West side. So that is, I mean, that is huge for the community just to see their presence over here. I bet. I can only imagine, of course, every player has dreams of playing on Sunday. Doesn't mean every player is going to play on Sundays, but it's always it's always good to see the guys that you're watching on Sunday and see them in your community. It, it almost gives you that feeling of, yeah, I can do it as well as long as I follow and do the right things. Definitely. And if you don't know, they once a week or once, I think a month, they'll take one of our real game film, put us on huddle with active players and break down our game field with our players. Wow. So th- they're really excited about that i bet that's awesome that that gets me excited just thinking about it man that's what, oh, yeah what an opportunity for your your players and, and your team as well again coach darwin peterson from democracy prep is our guest here on radio nation radio 920 so you mentioned it lincoln's up next they're a really good team what kind of challenges do the links present Oh, speed. They have some nice, fast guys on the offense. And uh, we've been watching them. We were coming up with a game plan to corral them. But, yeah, definitely if we stick to our game and we play with what we know, we should not have a problem. What about the – you mentioned their speed, So, and you're a very physical team. So do you feel like that that, that physicality that you guys present can help you kind of uh, not eliminate their speed but slow them down a little bit? Well, that is the game plan. You tap right in on the game plan right there. It's like, okay, they're going to get a couple, but we just got to keep hitting them and hitting them. They're small but fast. There you go. Well, it should be a fun one, Coach. I know that your team is uh, fired up and pumped up. And, again, you being the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award, that's that's a pretty uh, nice honor as well. Congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing there on the west side. And, you know, of course, all eyes on you guys, paying attention to what you got going on. And uh, good luck on Friday against Lincoln. Oh, thank you very much. Go D-Pack. There he is right there, Coach Darwin Peterson, Democracy Prep High School, uh, doing some good things on the west side, man. Definitely a, a fan of what they got going on, not just because of what they're doing football-wise as they're sitting there at 3-1 and one and tied for first place in their division, but also what they're doing just in the community with those uh, young adults that are, are growing up to be adults in the community. It's so important that uh, these young men and women get raised correctly and uh, they get raised with uh, some sense of hope. So, you know, they, they feel like that they can make a difference in their community as well. And so it's just I say it all the time. I know it sounds like a broken record, but, man, football is so much, especially high school football, is way more than just high school football. It's a way of life, and it, it gives a lot of life lessons. So many thanks to, to Coach for giving us a few minutes of his time, and congratulations to him. They got a big game coming up on Friday versus Lynx. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Great Lester Hayes right there. Train your body. Train your brain. Shout out to my man Vegas Chess. Shout out to my man Mickey. Anytime I think of Lester Hayes or hear Lester Hayes, those are two dudes that immediately pop into my head. Big time Lester Hayes fans. As a lot of Raider Nation are big time Lester Hayes fans. But uh, always love 
when we get an opportunity to talk to the judge. 444 is the time. Uh, got a few calls that we'll get to. Got some texts that I want to get to as we're talking about the Raiders' defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs. So close. Thought we were going to be talking about an upset today, but it was not to be had for the silver and black. They dropped the 30, or they dropped 30 to 29 to the Chiefs and lose an hour 1 and 4 on the season. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the text line at 69187. Q&D. This one stings on this Tuesday as last night's defeat was crushing. I'm not going to bash this team because I feel like we're so close. We're 1-4 and four and heading into the bye. I think it's perfect timing. Time to get healthy and the wins now need to stack up during the starting with the Texans coming week 7. A few things. That holding call on the missed field goal made me want to throw up. Unbelievable awful call. On five straight possessions, we couldn't stop KC's offense. That needs to stop immediately in order for us to win games. Lastly, rushing three-minute times versus Mahomes will always lose that matchup. It's an absolute must. We pressure Mahomes consistently. At times, it worked early in the game. When we went away from it, they scored on us. I believe we'll turn it around. Got to believe. Again, Sir Whiskey Ray. And I'll say this. As disappointed as Raider Nation is, and I don't know what – you know, the earlier show sounded like because I was super busy running all over town earlier today. That's why I'm in the home studio. I got to give Raider Nation a lot of credit. I thought, no joke, I thought uh, as I left the oil last night, it was going to be an absolute meltdown today on the radio. I did. I thought that the show was going to be a meltdown. Uh, I'm always looking forward to coming in and, and uh, talking some Raider football, but I just thought that uh, it was going to be the sky is falling, woe is me, and uh, fire everybody and and cut everybody. But uh, I got to give you, Raider Nation, a lot of credit because today has been a lot of, in my opinion, healthy conversation. I think it's been realistic conversation. And like I said, it's not it's not a, it's not a meltdown that I was imagining it was going to be. Uh, so, so Whiskey Ray said, I'm not going to bash the team. Uh, just, you know, think that they're close. And, I mean, they are close. And I know that close doesn't matter in football. You know, it only matters, it matters in uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. And I'm not playing with either. Right, so there's that, but they uh they just got to put it together, man. I think that you know if there's one thing that can keep the the locker room and the the, the players looking at each other and believing in what each other's doing and also believing in what the coaches are saying is what Servisky Ray said. They're so close. They're so close to winning these big games. You know, the, the with the way it's set up, and I don't you know I don't want to make anyone feel some type of way, and I don't want to try to blow smoke up anyone's backside and say this is exactly how it's going to shake out. But, man, could you imagine, as the Raiders are sitting at 1-4 and four and going into their bye week, coming out starting against the Texans, can you imagine that final game of the season being against Kansas City at Allegiant Stadium, being a rematch of what we just saw last night and the Raiders having to win? Don't know what would happen. Don't know how it's going to shake out. Don't know what the rest of the season's going to going to mean. But man, it would almost be fitting with the way that that game shook out last night that that final game of the season is almost like the Raiders get their revenge opportunity, right? Now, you've got to go through the rest of the season. You can only take it one game at a time, but man, it would almost feel very very fitting. Uh, one more quick text from Rob in Oakland. He said with respect to going for the two-point conversion, I don't have I don't think having a 31-30 lead had anything to do with putting pressure on Mahomes or the offense. They're too experienced and too good. I think it had to do with putting pressure on a struggling kicker. There's a lot of pressure for a kicker knowing that a miss equals a loss. He may have folded, and the Raiders would have won instead of going to overtime. It's Robin Oakland, and, I mean, that's, that's a possibility. You know, again, just like Lincoln said, and I think we said all, all throughout the show, uh, you know, second-guessing the coach is never going to do any, anybody any good. Uh, that was the decision that they went with. It sounds like everybody was on board from Jacobs to Adams to Carr. You know, McDaniel said that they had already discussed it. It's not like they all of a sudden just pulled some, something out their backside and decided that's what they're going to roll with. I personally wouldn't have done it. Personally, I would have kicked the extra point and, and tied it up and called it a day. That's just me. Um, and, and I'm not one of those guys that sign up for the analytical side of things, and, and I just maybe I'm scary. I say it all the time. Scare money don't make money. 
Maybe I'm scared of money. I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay with being scared of money, you know? So it is what it is, right? There's always going to be a difference of opinion. That's okay. Uh, If it worked out, Josh McDaniels looks like a genius. It doesn't, so people are going to question. I will tell you, and I have witnesses that were there, I questioned it. DeMond, you were there. Hell, I questioned it immediately when I saw them lining up for two. I said it was a bad decision. I said it right there, and that was just my gut feeling. Yeah, you absolutely did, but I love that text there from Robin Oakland because if Josh McDaniels, if he goes to the press conference after, if they do win, we knew in our gut that he wouldn't say it as as bluntly, but hey, that kicker was shaky, and we yeah. knew at a one-point lead, we knew that he was going to blow it like he did if he were to miss the game-winning kick, and it would have been, like you said, Josh McDaniels, what a genius going with his gut. For sure. For sure. Again, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can, you know, shine it up and, and dress it up. And, you know, everyone's opinion is very valid. So that, and, and that's why we, we like to and we respect everyone's opinion that calls in or texts in on the show. Speaking of calling in, how about Raider Mike in Colorado? Welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, Q and DeMar? Oh, uh, man. A tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, offense did their job. I'm going to go straight to the defense. Um, and it's just. I have a question for you, Q. Okay. Um, and one of your callers earlier, man, hit it right on the hit the nail right on the head. You know, when you're going up against a powerhouse uh, like the Chiefs, at what point is it like? You know, uh, remember how Hobbs kind of he said that he felt dis- disrespected, how uh, he wasn't featured on the scouting report uh, with the enemy. And, yeah, uh, the enemy kind of only put uh, Crosby, Jones, and Abrams. Well, one, I put Hobbs over Abrams on a scouting report any day for sure, but. By the enemy saying that, do you think that there's a lack of talent, like top-tier talent on the defense? Like, for example, if you look at a team like the, like, uh, like the Niners, you, see, you notice that they have dogs at every level mm-hmm. from the inside out. And I feel like for us, on the D-line, it's main, mainly only max. And it all starts up front. Yep. Because those dogs and those guys that are supposed to be dogs right in the middle – aren't moving the pocket. They were moving the pocket very rarely, but in the second half, it all disappeared. You know, so for me, it's like I'm looking at a, a Meek. I'm looking at, like, I'm looking at Perryman. I'm looking at, you know, Rocky Sin, and I'm looking at it, even Maury. To me, in my honest opinion, after keep watching game after game, I understand that there are periods of times where they look good, but down the line, I personally am starting to feel like they're okay players, but on different teams, they might not even be starters. So I feel as if Pat Graham is trying to do the best that he can with what he has, but I think I, from what I'm seeing on TV, it doesn't look like we have, like we have those dogs at every single level. So my question to you is kind of like that. Do you think that, you know, do you think that we have that on this defense or do you think that there's obviously areas that we can improve? Yeah, thank you for the call, and I, I definitely think there's areas that can be improved, and I, I definitely believe that Pat Graham is doing the best he can with what he's working with. You know, a lot of those guys defensively, the Raiders brought in on one-year deals, or else they were guys that, you know, were, were already there. I look at certain guys on the team, and I think that those are backups on other teams, but certain situations, you have to roll with them with your starters because that's the best that you have. And I, I use Andrew Billings for an example, and I don't mean to call Dollar Bill out like that, but, I mean, it's just I think that he's probably a good rotational piece. 
I don't think that he's a guy that you would consider a starter. I just don't. But he's starting right now for the silver and black. You know, they brought in Bilal Nichols, Jonathan Hankins. They re-signed. You know, I look at the I look at the linebacking core, and I could say that you know Devon Diablo. He's he's done okay at times. He struggled at times. Denzel Perryman. It's good to see him back, but we know that he you know he has his uh, issues at times. I, I think that they are doing the best they can. They brought in as much talent as possible. Uh, you know, they filled a few holes with guys that they know are competent and good, but not great, right? You mentioned the 49ers defense, and you're right. That defense is built to dominate games and just own them, and that's what allows them to, you know, rely heavily on the run game and rely heavily on, you know, or allow a, a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie quarterback, but a young guy like a Trey Lance when they still had him to develop because they felt very confident about the defense is going to uh, keep them in games. Raider 12, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Hey there. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Good. Hey, good. A um, couple quick things. The the rough of the passing Roughing the passer call, I don't, I don't understand how that's even questionable. When, when a defender has his full body weight on the quarterback, it's always going to be called. There's no way a referee can tell a 300-pound man whether or not he, he applied his full body weight, 75, 200 pounds, 250 pounds, 275 pounds. I don't care if your hand is down or not. Your full body is on the quarterback. A referee cannot determine that call. He always, they always have to call that roughing the passer. There's no question there. I don't know where the, where the controversy is there. So that's, that's my take on that. And the other thing about Kelsey is he had seven catches for 25 yards and four touchdowns. What does that tell you? He, that means he had three catches. Outside of the red zone, he only had three catches right. and about 10 yards. We stopped Kelsey when he wasn't in the red zone. Why did we stop with that scheme once we got into the red zone? Why did right. we stop it? We stopped him. We had the formula. Why do we pull away from that formula that was working? Why did we stop bracketing him? Why did we stop uh, clipping him off the line, you know, hitting him right when he, when he got off the line? I don't understand why the whole game plan. I mean, of course your red zone defense is going to be different. I mean, that's the obvious answer to that question. But don't. It obviously didn't work. It worked throughout 80 yards of the field or whatever. But once you get to the inside the red zone, you change it all of a sudden? No, I mean, that's, it didn't make sense to me. All right, thanks for the call. No, I, I, I don't disagree. You know, we actually had that text earlier about uh, Kelsey and what he's done, and, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why he had so many open opportunities in the red zone, but he did. You know, a lot of it had to do with the Kansas City scheme, how they schemed them open. We had a text about that, but uh, a lot of it was just miscommunication on the Raiders' part, and that can't happen uh, in the red zone against a team like the Chiefs and a player like Kelsey. As far as the roughing the passer, I, I don't agree uh, with your assessment of the it's going to be called every time because it's not called every time. It's inconsistent. If it was consistent, I would be with you 100%. I just All I ask for is be consistent, right? That's all I ask for. You saw Tom Brady get thrown down on uh, on Sunday, and then you saw Denzel Perryman throw down, uh, throw down Patrick uh, Mahomes, and he didn't get called. So just give me consistency. That's all I ask for. If it's consistent, I can live with it. Simple as that because at least you know what to expect. But thank you so much for your call. I appreciate you. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, the Raider Roundtable, it's up next. JT the Brick, Bucky Brooks, and myself here on Raider Nation Radio 920.